Welcome to The Conscious Investor. Let's get started. Welcome back. Um, I'm so excited that you came back to this next episode. If you haven't already listened to the previous episode with John Blanton, then you need to make sure I said Blanton and I'm sorry because no, that's like, right. I don't that's know. right. Yeah, it is right. right. Blanton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I keep like pronouncing the A incorrectly. <laughs> like, I know. I don't know why people say Blanton. I don't know why. I don't know. You know, I don't know why, but yeah, Blanton. Blanton. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So make sure that you go back if you haven't already and get to know who John is. We, we do the introduction in the first episode, but right now we're di- taking a deep dive into what are you consciously pursuing, John? What are you being intentional about? Because you're one of the most intentional people I know. So I'm, I'm looking for, I'm like, what is it going to be? Okay. <laughs> No, I really appreciate that. I mean, that's a huge compliment. So thank you so much. But I mean, you know, really the big thing that we're, we're being intentional about when I say we, you know, I mean, this is obviously things that I'm pursuing personally, but, you know, we do look at myself, my wife, my family, you know, kind of as a unit, right. You know, so we all are, are all one in the same, but, you know, we're really trying to just make sure that the ventures that we're pursuing are going to further what we want from life in regards to our goals and our outcomes. You know, and so one of them I know we had talked about before, but you know, making sure that we're present for our kids, right? You know, both financially and and physically and spiritually and mentally. And I think that's a big one that, you know, is challenging, right? And I think that's, you know, even just as our daughters start, you know, doing more activities and things, you know, it is, it is, you know, not disheartening, but you know, it's tough seeing other families saying, like, oh man, like, you know, it's like there's payment plans for, you know, these things for like 500 bucks or, you know, whatever, you know, and and it's just you know, and that's important to us is to make sure that we can, you know, allow them to try the endeavors that they want. And, you know, these kid activities are ridiculously expensive. You know, $500 is like a drop in the bucket compared to most kid activities. You know, that, I mean, that's just the uniform, obviously that's, <laughs> that's, that's not anything else, but, you know, I mean, just things like that. And so I think, you know, we're just trying to make sure that, that the time is being spent away from them. We're doing things that's enhancing our life. So when we're with them, we can be as focused and intentional as possible. And I think, you know, for us, it's, you know, the big ones are just around, Again, we talked about it before, but but creating diversified income streams and then finding ways to create efficiencies within those income streams so that we can spend less time within those income streams, businesses, real estate, whatever the case is, so that we can spend time doing what we want, you know. And if it's just hanging out, if it's reading a book during the middle of the day, listening to podcasts, you know, going on a walk together, whatever the, the case is, you know. And so we've got some pretty large goals that we want to accomplish eventually. And so I think we're just taking those steps throughout and and making sure that we're not going down paths that we don't want to pursue. Right. And that's why I think, you know, we're kind of taking these incremental steps instead of all in. And I think that's where a lot of people face challenge sometimes is they just find something and they think it's going to get them to the outcome. I know you talked a lot about financial freedom before, and I think people pick that as an outcome and then they just choose a solution, right? With Without knowing if that, act, if that solution is actually the right fit for them or if they even want it. And so I think that's one of the things we're trying to do together is put ourselves in situations that we can be doing things that we enjoy and parts and functions of the business that we enjoy, and then staying away from outsourcing or delegating to, to each other or other partners to be able to handle those segments of the business or those income streams that we don't like. That's really important. Okay. So as you're talking about this, um, so many things come to mind. And one of the things that I'm thinking of is, um, 
that concept that you said of people are running, basically they're, they're, they, they see the outcome that they want and they're just, okay, here's how I'm going to get there. And they just try to run down that path instead of walking lightly and saying, does this path feel right? Is this the right path? Am I, is this working for me? Is this going to be sustainable? Can I keep this momentum up instead of saying, I, I was just running with my daughter. I'll go back to this, this um, example and say, the goal was, Hey, you just ran your very first mile for the very first time. And now you're out on the trail, which is where we really want to be. And she's running, you know, over two miles, mile, one mile one day, and then two and a quarter miles the next day. And before we started that, I said, listen, we're going to go at a pace that we can maintain. The goal is to not stop. And I think that that's really relatable to the investment community or anyone trying to reach their goal. It's set your goal, but set a pace that you can maintain. Because the moment you stop, you lose all your momentum, you lose so much. And now you've set yourself back instead of, hey, it's okay to go slower on that path and finish strong and get to where you want to go. But if you're going to stop, really, what have you accomplished? Absolutely. And I mean, it's easier to turn and pivot when you're not running so fast, when you're going full speed, you know, I mean, you're just sliding and stuff as you're trying to you're turn. Drifting. And I think, exactly. And I think, <laughs> and I think I see that a lot with people, you know, saying, Hey, hey I want to be a, you know, full-time real estate investor, which I'm not really even sure what that even means, you know, but I guess that's what, you know, that's what a lot of people want to pursue is become a full-time real estate investor or entrepreneur or whatever. And, and I think you kind of talked about, you know, like, being defined before. And that's why I don't really necessarily want to be defined by anything because I, I guess I look at, well, I guess I look at, my, at myself and my family, we're opportunists, right? We look at opportunity. And if there's something that's, that's in our opinion, that's grossly undervalued, then that's something that we're going to pursue versus, you know, what the market interprets it, it it's worth as, right? And I think right now, as far as real estate goes, the majority of us, you know, and, and maybe the majority of listeners, myself included, you know, aren't in a position where, you know, a three or 4% yield on a deal is really going to, you know, move the needle in, in our life or our lifestyle, right? That's not right now going to get me where I want to go. Eventually, hopefully, you know, that's where we can get to. And I think that's where, again, people say, hey, I want this financial freedom. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and financial freedom, to your point, like, what does it even mean? Because, you know, I always say there's, I, I don't really like the term financial freedom. I prefer financial independence and, and I don't really even love that term, but financial freedom is, you know, I see that as like, you live in the forest and you forage for berries and, you know, you don't have a cell phone, right? right? Because you're free of finances, right? Ultimately we all are tied to finances in, in some semblance, right? And that's kind of why even back to the example earlier about, you know, my daughter and, and her, their sporting events and different things is, you know, that's something that's important to us. We want to be able to provide for them. We want them to pursue the avenues and the sporting events that they want. And unfortunately, you know, if we, if we want that to happen, you know, there's, there's means that are necessary to accomplish those goals and stuff. And so I think that's kind of a big part of it, but the financial independence piece, why I kind of pursue that level more is because you have the independence to, to work if you want, not work if you want to spend on what you want. And, you know, that's why I do really prefer kind of the financial abundance. Cause I really think that's where the majority of us want to get to. If you're, if you're just above, you know, the watermark uh, of what your expenses are, you're not living a very fruitful life. You know, maybe it'd be better for you to keep your job if you could be 50 or 75% above your expense ratio for, mm -hmm. you know, spending. And then you can, you can have a little bit more discretionary means and funds. Right. And so I think that's why the discretionary segment are more of an abundant perspective is kind of what we look to pursue because, you know, we want to be able to have fun, right? You know, being, being independent means pursuing passions and things that you enjoy just for the sake of enjoying them, vacation, travel, going to restaurants, you know, doing fun things, spending money frivolously if you want to, right? You know, and I don't really see that with financial independence because, 
you just don't have those means because you're just above the amount, you know, people are like, I just need to be able to cover my expenses. Then you're independent, but you're independent to do what, you know, sit at home right. and watch Netflix. You can't, you know, right. I mean, trips are expensive, travels, expensive Airbnbs right. and, you know, vacation rentals are only getting more and more expensive. And so I think that's kind of the perspective when people say this financial freedom, is that really what they want? Or is that just the buzzword that they've heard the most that they say, Hey, this one resonates the most with me because really probably what they want is financial abundance when they can spend what they want, where they want, go where they want, have the time that they want with the relationships that they want. And so that's why I kind of try to stay away from defining it other than, you know, just kind of independence and, you know, overall lifestyle freedom, you know, more so than just strictly financial. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm on the soapbox with you. (laughs) I'm high-fiving you. (laughs) So so, um, with that in mind, you know, you, you and your wife are a really solid team in striving. It's like, I feel like you guys are a really good example of a three-legged race that's very successful. You know, your legs are tied together and you guys are going at a good pace and communicating well. How do you and how do you cultivate that? What have you and your wife done to nurture that so that you can really find the success and build this life? Yeah, well, so I've I've polled a lot of other people too, right? You know, because I by no means try to claim to be a relationship expert, um, you know. And sometimes we kind of say, you know, advice <laughs> right now, everybody, John's got it. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I think some of it is kind of luck to an extent, right? I mean, you know, when we met each other originally, we had you know similar perspectives, but so many of these circumstances, you don't know what it's going to actually be like until you have kids, or until you have financial problems, or until you have, you know ailments or, or, you know, or, you know, bills come due that are unexpected and stuff, right. You just don't know how people are going to react. And so, you know, we're just so fortunate that we both kind of have more of this, we're both extremely competitive. I mean, she's way more competitive than I am, but we're both extremely competitive and, you know, we both just really want this lifestyle and we want, you know, this lifestyle for our children and our family. And, you know, one of the things that's important to us is be able to, to provide for family members too. Right. You know, cause what's the point of having money if, you know, and, and again, you know, my sister-in-law is a teacher. So, you know, sometimes we're, you know, it feels good to be able to help her because I think she's doing, you know, more good for the world than, than I am, you know? And so it's like, you know, Hey, she's helping this for further this generation. And, you know, just sad hearing stories of, you know, some of the things her, her students go through and, you know, some of the comments they make just because of the circumstances they're within. And so, you know, I think it's really just an open line of communication. I mean, it's really basic one-on-one type of relationship advice, but I think we just both really try to stay in our lanes. You know, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, she's just like, does that account have money in it? Or, you know, she, I mean, she doesn't even pay attention, which is fine. Right. You know, that, you know, she's a lot more, you know, on the high level architectural side and I'm a little bit more in the weeds because I enjoy that more. And so, you know, I'm doing a lot more of the tactical, um, you know, actual things, but I think it really just comes down to communication. And then from communication, I think that leads to trust when the, when the line of communication is open, I think then when, you know, not that the line of trust has been breached, but if somebody is like, Hey, this doesn't sound right. Or, Hey, I want to just question this and make sure that this is, this is accurate. Um, you know, it's not a discomfort saying, Hey, does this make sense? Or, you know, if there's an off color remark, it's not like, Hey, this person is talking down upon me. It's just, Hey, they're really curious about this scenario. And so I think, again, it's super basic stuff. It's just open communication, being honest and upfront with one another, you know, good, bad, and ugly, right. You know, not every decision or, or investment that I've made has, has come to fruition or, or worked out the way that we expected. But, you know, again, when you're taking those shots, you know, you win seven or eight out of 10 times, you know, the, a couple of those wins, if they're, if they're large enough, then, you know, it, it really minimizes those, those other losses. And so I think that's really the big one just overall is, is that open communication. 
That's it's absolutely huge. And what you're talking about, that trust, it allows you that open communication, allows you to speak into the other's life. And if there is something that you can you can do to help maybe enhance or help them um, be more successful, it's more well received than if you're not talking normally, because otherwise it comes off as criticism and um, <laughs> just trying to be a boss about somebody else. So that's really <laughs> I'm speaking. I don't know. Some, some some decisions or ideas do need criticism. So you know, we're we're, de- we're definitely not a not a below you know criticizing each other's ideas from time to time. But you know, it's always from a place of love. That's what. It, that's exactly it. Open lines of communication. It can be received <laughs> in love. There is time for criticism or you know calling an idea to task. Like mm, I don't really think so. My <laughs> husband has to do that, and he's learned to do it in a much better way <laughs> than than when in our, our early marriage years. But you know, hey, trial and error, trial and error. You know, everybody's had those communication faux pas and you know challenges. So you know, right there with you. Definitely, uh, definitely been a learning <laughs> process. Not not from day one. It happens. I love it. Thank you so much, John, for joining me for this next segment. Um, I love learning how people are being intentional. And I've no doubt that this has just helped other people maybe approach things from another perspective. And if you're listening and you're in this in, in a marriage, in some type of partnership, and even if it's just simply a business partnership, this is great advice to remember to keep that line of communication open and to have all of those goals uh, you know, unified so that you can strive at a, at a great pace together. Well, just John. one thing to that real quick. Sorry. Yeah, oh, definitely. So the other side of that is too, you, you need to run at the same pace as your spouse, right? You know, if your spouse is only at a one from a risk perspective and you're at a 10, you know, you've really got to work on it. And I think that's one thing that we did is, you know, my risk tolerance was higher earlier on. And then it took her a little while to get there. And I'm not, it just, it was what it was. Right. And so yeah, I think that's the big thing like between, between the two pairs is just make sure that it's not just Hey, let's jump off the deep end. It's like, Hey, let's try this. Let's try this. Hey, this worked, this worked. And then that's how you really ingrain that trust. And then, you know, now if their risk tolerance has gotten up to a three, you can maybe jump them to an opportunity with the seven instead of, you know, just trying to take them strictly from a one to a 10. And so I think that's the thing is back to the line of communication is just try to match the risk tolerances between one another, because, you know, more often than not, they're not always the same starting off with spouses, but over time, you know, as you take on more risk, you become more comfortable with it. And so that's just the, the only thing I would add to that is just make sure, you know, within that communication that the risk tolerance profile for each spouse is, is taken into account. Okay. Well, now we have to add that, go back to the three-legged race, picture that in your (laughs) mind, everybody, and one person trying to run faster and they're basically dragging the other person. It doesn't work out. As soon as you said that, that's what came to my mind is, you know, three-legged race, you got to go, sometimes you got to lock on, you know, shoulder, put your arm around each other's shoulders and, and get going. So Totally, hundred percent. Love it, John. What are the what best ways for people to uh, reach out and get to know you better? Yeah, absolutely. And as I, you know, as I said before, I mean, this has been a lot of fun, so I really appreciate the time. Uh, best way to reach me is my website, either contrariancashflow.com or you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, John Blanton. And I uh, look forward to, to hearing from you guys. So thanks again, Julie. This is a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun. Thank you, John. And everyone else, um, the rest of your day, all day, just focus, live big and love even bigger. Feeling alone, disconnected, Conscious investors often feel alone or disconnected because of their unique perspective and desire to expand their thinking. But the journey of a lifetime isn't meant to be solo or forged by grit alone. 
join the Conscious Investor community on Facebook, link arms, exchange ideas, and expand your thinking on finances, relationship, and community. Join the Conscious Investor group on Facebook today.